Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop, back with another edition of our 2021 season deep dive series. This time we're talking all things Hamilton Tiger Cats. I've got another great guest here with me to break it all down. But before we bring him in, him in a couple of quick things to mention. First off, we always want to mention this episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty One Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree. Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. Uh, second of all, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You can check out all the other great shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter. And finally, uh, CFL Free Agency kicks off next week, Tuesday, February 8th, and the Canadian Football Countdown has you covered. We're going eight hours of live coverage. Myself, Michael Garrell, and special guests from the... Uh, around the aforementioned CFPN. Uh, should be a fun day of that. For more info on that, where you can find all of the live stream links, uh, check out our pinned tweet over on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod or our most recent Facebook post at facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. Now let's bring in our guest of honor for the evening. It's the great Mike Graham from Podski Wee Wee. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, we're, we're honored to have you here. First time getting you here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to go through and talk all things Hamilton Tiger Cats and the 2021 season as we continue our deep dive series. And I think the Tiger Cats are one of the more interesting teams uh, to talk about from this season because they kind of got to, you know, where everybody thought they would at the end of the season, but it was uh, not necessarily in the way we all predicted before it began. We're going to get into that in a second. But first, uh, I want to go back, Mike, and uh, talk about how did you first get into the CFL and particularly the Ticats? Because unlike most guests we've had on so far for the Deep Dive series where, you know, the general story is, you know, you're living in the city that the team you, you, you follow. But uh, I know you're different in the case that uh, you're actually located out west, but uh, covering the Ticats. Yeah, well, I, I actually grew up in Ontario. Um, I moved out here probably about five or six years ago, but uh, I grew up in a small town called Port Elgin. It was about two and a half to three hour drive to Hamilton. And uh, my parents had season tickets when I was growing up for, for most of the time I was growing up. So we'd, uh, we'd make that trek for pretty much every game, about two and a half hours there and back. And uh, yeah, I just, I fell in love with it at a very young age. Um, you know, I had a, I was all dressed up for the 1986 Grey Cup, and I, was, I wasn't even a year old, so it's been beaten into me um, from a very young age. Awesome, awesome. And of course, uh, fandom of the CFL leads into podcasting about the CFL uh, over on the Podski Wee Wee podcast, covering all things Ticats. Uh, How did you get involved with that? It was uh, me and Josh Smith. Uh, we're friends on Twitter, and we... Uh, you know, there was some podcasts sprouting up, um, you know, it's not like it is today, but there were a couple out there and we thought, hey, there's no Tiger Cat podcast. And we got to talking and uh, decided to fire it up in uh, 2015, I think is when we started. Right on. So uh, closing in on seven years here, I guess. Uh, going strong, certainly. I believe you crossed 200 episodes this, was it this past year? Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, we passed 200. Right on. So uh, congratulations on the big 200 and hopefully many more to come there as well. Uh, let's get into talking about the uh, preseason expectations for the Thai Cats. Uh, like I was mentioning, you know, they, they got to where a lot of people expected them to be, myself included. I think here on the podcast, both uh, Michael Garrell and I uh, both had the Thai Cats uh, representing the East Division in the Grey Cup. Uh, I thought they were honestly going to be even more dominant than they were in 2019, which is hard to believe because they were one of the most dominant teams uh, in history. Um, but what were your preseason predictions for how the team was going to fare this year? They are different from what they usually are. Uh, no matter what, I usually go into the season thinking that they're going to maybe float around 500 because that's what they've done, um, you know, for the past, you know, 10 or 15 years you know, minus 2019, obviously, and a couple more years, but they're a team that usually, you know, floats around 500. So that's usually my prediction going into the season. But um, this past season, they were, they were very high. 
very high expectations. I, I, I picked them to go 11 and three. Um, my uh, podcast partner predicted them to go undefeated, um, which is a little <laughs> infamous now, but uh, yeah, we, we had very high expectations for the team and, and rightfully so they brought in, they had a lot of talent. Um, a lot of that 2019 team came back, which they were 15 and three during the regular season and went to the gray cup and got defeated by the bombers. But uh, you know, a lot of those guys came back and they're, uh, they were expected to do uh, good things. Now, like you said, they got where they were supposed to be, um, but the road was a little rocky around the uh, along the way, for sure. Yeah, they were certainly one of the teams, uh, the few teams that didn't have a ton of turnover, uh, which is very impressive given you had not one but two off seasons in the middle. You had a stacked team in 2019. You know, normally you expect you know some players are are going to go, but the ones that did, they, I thought they filled in very nicely. Uh, yeah, everybody was high on Hamilton coming into 2021, but uh, it started off real rocky right at the beginning as we start looking into uh, some of the, you know, part of the schedule here. Uh, we'll, we'll do what we normally do on these deep dives, break it up into kind of the first four or five games, then the middle chunk of the season, then the, the, the stretch drive as well. Uh, and, you know, just looking at the first four games of the year, the Ticats come out of those at a two and two record, uh, but they start off with a 19 and to six loss to, to Winnipeg in that great cup rematch. Then they have a 30 to eight loss to Saskatchewan. And uh, just starting off, I guess, with those first two games, it was kind of a, a big shock factor of uh, what what's happening here. I know there were huge concerns going into that week three bye week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we were picked by a lot of, you know, the quote unquote experts to be, you know, the best team in the CFL. Obviously, a lot of people had the Bombers as well, but we, you know, we were up there as, uh, too. So to come out and only score 14 points in the first two games, you know, they're hard. We knew that they were going to be tough competitors, you know, as the Bombers and the Rough Riders. They're expected to be, you know, uh, one of the two of the elite teams in the CFL going into the season. And, uh, you know, it was pretty evident in those first two games that we had a problem with the offensive line. Uh, we lost we lost our center, Mike Filer, retired. He came back, but then, you know, left again. Uh, we lost Riker Matthews, our left tackle, to the BC Lions. Um, uh, Sirocco, I think, was playing out of position at center. So there was a lot of, you know, I think um, Van Zyl might have been injured too. I'm not sure. I can't recall. But... Yeah, they, the O-line was not good in those first two games, and it, it continued to be a problem throughout the season. Yeah, I think – I don't know if it was that first game against Winnipeg or the second uh, game there against Saskatchewan, but I remember uh, – I think it was something like uh, Stanley Bryant for the Bombers had more games combined played in the CFL than the Ticats' whole offensive line at once, which is insane uh, and was definitely a, a point of discussion uh, early on. It seemed like it started so well, you know, opening drive of the season, two years off, you're expecting a ton of rust, uh, and you come out here, Mazzoli basically lays the perfect uh, dime into the end zone for, I believe it was Jalen Acklin on that first touchdown drive, and it's like, okay, Hamilton's not missing a beat. This is what we're expecting. Of course, that ends up being the only points they score in that game against the Bombers, and it seemed to kind of go downhill there. Um, the offensive line was definitely an issue, uh, you know, especially facing the, the Bombers and the Riders, who do typically have, you know, two of the best defensive lines in the league, arguably. Um, but what surprised me a little bit was the defense seemed like it was struggling in these first couple games for Hamilton. Uh, I, I thought I thought this was going to be a defense that, you know, was right up there in the upper echelon of the league. But, uh, you know, 49 points against the first two games seemed like they were, especially down the stretch, they couldn't stop the run game. Yeah, absolutely. The They weren't, um, you know, at their peak of the season, definitely. Like, the defense was not ready uh, to start off, and neither was the offense. The whole team was, was really bad to start off the season. Those first two games were hard to watch. Um, you know, the defense, yeah, they weren't great, but the offense just didn't help them out at all. I mean, only 14 points, and um, they were, there was a lot of two-and-outs and, and a lot of, like, non-drives during those first two games, and it was pretty ugly. So um, the defense got better throughout the season, but it was evident that the offense was the problem. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially in that game against the Bombers, if I recall, you know, that the defense held its own for a long time and then it was fourth mm-hmm. quarter. You know, they've been out there for so long. I think the time of possession was a bit imbalanced and the, and the Bombers started to run the ball nonstop. At that point, the defense is exhausted. Uh, I remember the point, uh, the major talking point coming into that week three bye week was, you know, the 30 to eight loss against the Riders. Uh, game was pretty much out of reach uh, in late in that game. I think Jeremiah Mazzoli was still in at that point, ended up uh, getting a bit of an injury there. And Dane Evans mm-hmm. came in to finish the game, uh, yeah. which ended up, you know, we had a couple different uh, variations of starting quarterback throughout the season, but certainly uh, that was not an ideal way to start the season down 0-2, uh, you know, 0-2 on the year, and all of a sudden your starting quarterback is down in a game he arguably potentially should have been pulled. That being said, you know, one of the big things everybody was saying about Hamilton coming into the year was just the impressiveness that they had basically two number one quarterbacks on their roster, which you clearly need in the CFL, and uh, so Dane Evans takes over at this point coming out of the week three bye. Yeah, and you know he came in late in that Rough Rider game, and he didn't look good either against that Rough Rider defense. You know that um, I love Dane Evans, but he was not performing um, at a high level at that point. Um, but he did get thrown into a pretty bad situation. So um, you know the next game he he's a starter, and uh, we pulled off the win, right, twenty-seven to ten against the Alouettes. Yeah, and that was a big game. I think a lot of people were leaning Montreal's direction. I, I, I can't remember. I think they had played two games so far at that point. I know they had a really strong game against uh, Edmonton, Montreal did. Can't remember if they won the second one. Uh, but I know the Ticats came out in this game at, in the third one here, that one against Montreal, and uh, shocked a lot of people early in this one. And uh, this was, uh, interestingly enough, one of the, I think, kind of the, the starting point for what we saw uh, down the stretch here, which was some young receivers really stepping up for the team. Uh, you know, Stephen Dunbar Jr. has the big touchdown early in this game, finishes 95 yards. Tim White's got 62 in there. Um, it was almost like a season of the changing of the guard at receiver, uh, which we know based on the events in the last couple of days, you know, Brandon Banks not coming back with the team is certainly a changing of the guard there. But uh, certainly some young receivers we didn't necessarily have eyes on as much coming into the year or even early on in the season here, starting to step up big time. Yeah. I, I love those guys. Dunbar. Um, he had a great season. Uh, Tim white is a, is a star on the rise, I think. And, you know, they signed to beer Posey in the off season and the performance, the performances of some of these young guys at receiver, uh, made the decision, uh, a little bit more easier to let him go. Um, because obviously you sign a guy like Devere Posey, he's going to be making, you know, a large paycheck. So if you can find a guy like Dunbar and a guy like Tim White to come in for at a cheaper cost, then you're going to take advantage of that. Absolutely. And then the final game to, to round out this uh, starting stretch of the season, I believe this is the Labor Day game against the Argos. Uh, Ticats at home on Labor Day at Toronto is, you know, seventh straight time they've won that game. Uh, 32 to 19 here. Dane Evans, a solid game in as the starter here. Um, coming out of that, anything notable from that game uh, you want to touch on? Um, not that I remember specifically, uh, but I, I do remember Dane having another good start for the Ticats. Uh, obviously, the score shows it 32 to 19, and it's always nice to beat the Argonauts on Labor Day. Yeah, and then we get out of this stretch here, and it's kind of interesting because you look at, okay, a 2-2 two and two start to the season based on preseason expectations, you're like, oh, this is not an ideal start to the year necessarily. But then after those first two games and after that first bye week, if you're coming out of that with two straight wins, a 17-point win over Montreal, 13-point win over Toronto, two division rivals, you're starting to think, okay, this team's starting to turn the corner out of the, the, the beginning of the season. Yeah, you started to think that, didn't you? And then the next two games came, um, and uh, we lost both of them, I believe. Uh, We had the rematch against the Argonauts, which we lost, I think, at the last second, last second field goal. Um, Not a very good game on offense by the Tiger Cats. You know, after that uh, that strong game against the Argonauts, they come back. Dane Evans, he's 19 of 27 for 192 yards, a touchdown and an interception. 
Um, and I, I think he must have got injured during that game because that's when David Watford came in. Am I correct on that? I'm not. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. Watford came in uh, at some point during this game. And I know he started yeah. the next one down uh, the next couple there as we get into the middle stretch here. Yeah, we've got that 17-16 loss to the Argos, then a, a 23-17 win over Calgary. Uh, right. So that they pull one out there over the Stampeders. Uh, then they play Ottawa 24-7. to uh, They've got two close games with Montreal and Toronto, both uh, losses there, 23-20 to Montreal, 24-23 to Toronto. Right. Uh, and then uh, come back with a big 32-3 win over Ottawa. Uh, and then as we round out just this middle chunk of the season, a 39 to 23 win over Edmonton. So six games in the middle there, you know, they do lose that rematch with the Argos to kick it off. Um, that's not too surprising to me. I mean, we know the Argos ended up finishing first in the East division and uh, a home and home series more often than not, I feel like you see a split in those. So, uh, you know, a tough rematch game. The fact that it came down to one point, I think uh, what was a testament to the quality of both of these teams. Yeah, they uh, they had some good matchups this year. You know, this one, 17-16, it wasn't the most entertaining game in the world, but the end was exciting. And then, of course, um, the playoff game. And then there was the the other game that we'll talk about in a little bit, the, uh, the game in which the Tiger Gats had to win to uh, be able to clinch first place, and they, they couldn't pull it off. But, yeah, there's some entertaining games between these two teams. And of course, they played a lot of them. I think it was four this past season. I think they have four again in 2022. Um, great division rivalry there between the Thai Cats and the Argos. The next couple of games are the David Watford games. Uh, we mentioned the quarterback depth having both Mazzoli and Evans. You think you think your team's set with both of those, but of course, in the CFL, even then, you might not be. Uh, mm-hmm. And you got to go to the third string guy. Um, I don't think Watford looked particularly great in either of these games. I mean, they got the, they got the job done, but I think that's more of a credit to yeah. maybe the defense, special teams, et cetera. Uh, but certainly uh, not, uh, I mean, he's the third string quarterback, right? What yeah. are you necessarily expecting? It was interesting to see how Tommy Condell and the, the offense, you know, changed um, for a quarterback who doesn't have, you know, the throwing skills of a, a Dean Evans or a Jeremiah Mazzoli. And no offense to Watford. I mean, you look at his numbers in the game against Calgary, 19 of 22. Um, I mean, that's pretty darn good percentage, but only 149 yards. So they weren't letting him throw it down the field, but he was doing what he was asked. Um, it, it's amazing to me that we beat the Stampeders with David Watford leading the way um, against, uh, I'm not sure if um, Bo was the starter. Oh, yeah, Bo, Bo played and Jake played too. Um but yeah, it was very interesting to see how this offense changed when David Watford came in. Yeah, it was. It seemed very much like a more vanilla type offense, yeah. uh, and and that transitioned into that next game against Ottawa as well, which I believe this is one that had the torrential downpour, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, where it was well, you're probably not going to pass a whole ton. You're probably making those short passes in this one as well because you could barely see downfield in this one. Uh, again, you know, the whole team kind of stepping up here uh, after losing the two quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not sure if it's at this point, but I know in the middle of the season, I think they did get uh, a few more pieces back on the offensive line, which certainly helped as well. Uh, and, the, you know, hey, if you can pick up two straight wins with your third string quarterback, uh, I think you're doing pretty well as a team. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, the game against Ottawa, the defense was phenomenal. And, you know, that's not saying a lot um, against a team like Ottawa. No offense to them, but they weren't exactly lighting the world on fire offensively last season. Um, I thought they were going to shut them out completely. They ended up scoring a touchdown um, in the fourth quarter. But, uh, yeah, once again, they ran the ball a lot. Uh, you know, David Watford was 15 to 25, 115 yards, a touchdown pass. But he also ran the ball. He led the team in rushing, uh, 11 carries for 54 yards. So they were uh, utilizing him on the ground quite a bit as well. Yeah, fantasy superstar David Watford. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I put him in my lineup uh, that week for the cheap play. Uh, maybe worked out, maybe didn't. I can't remember. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so then we get into the next game here where Jeremiah Mazzoli does come back from injury and is in as the starting role. Now, interestingly, I think he was a backup for those past couple of games when when Watford was starting just because uh, he was ready to go if they absolutely needed him. Uh, but unless Watford was limping off the field, uh, especially in that uh, big win over Ottawa, I don't think uh, I don't think there was any chance we would see him until he was fully ready to go. Uh, he comes back into this game against Montreal, and I think this is one of the games that had maybe one of the best finishes of the entire season. Uh, we had the uh, the late fourth quarter Alouette's rally of 17 points, uh, and they go on to win this one in overtime. This one had to be a bit of a heartbreaker here, for, I feel like, for the Ticats to, you know, another game, division rival, you beat them handily early in the season. You're riding two wins. You've got your starting quarterback back, uh, and then you 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 let this one go late. That one's got to sting. Yeah, that one was tough. Uh, you know, Montreal was hanging around. You know, they ended up finishing third in the East. But uh, you know, earlier on in the season, they were considered to be you know the number one contender for the uh, for the Tiger Cats in the East Division, and uh, to lose to to them, uh, it, it was a tough one for sure, especially in that heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of late field goals traded back and forth uh, in this game uh, that ends up taking it to overtime. Uh, one of a few exciting overtime games on the season. Uh, I feel like the need to bring that up uh, because, you know, that's a hot button topic around the world of football right now right. Uh, is uh, is the overtime rules. Uh, I, I love the CFL overtime rules. I think they're exciting. Mm-hmm. Um we got so many good games like these ones uh, featuring the Alouettes and the Ticats. Yeah, I like it as well. And I I think the only adjustment I might make is maybe moving it back, the ball back with like the starting point from the 35 to maybe like the 50 or something like that. I feel like you're already in field goal range. Maybe they should just move it back a bit, but um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm in favor of the CFO rules over the, uh, the NFL OT rules. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. I mean, 35 yard line, you, you just line up, you kick the field goal right mm-hmm. away. At least at least make it earn a first down or two. Yeah, uh, that'd be nice. It'd yeah. Be nice. But uh certainly that's uh, so, some small tinkering that could be done. But mm-hmm. uh then we get into the next game. Uh, again, another tight one here, a 24-23 loss to the Argos. Uh I think this might have been Mazzoli's best game of the season. He threw for uh, over 350 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Uh, but they, they go on to lose another last second field goal here. Uh, it just seemed at this point, like the Ticats team had, had so much talent, everything together. Uh, but we're just coming short in these, uh, these couple key games here throughout the season. Yeah, we couldn't finish. Um, and we were, we were really slow starters. It seemed like in, in almost every game offensively, you know, we scored 12 points in the first half of this one which, you know, wasn't the worst first half that they had this season, but it just seemed like they couldn't, you know, bust out the gates and, uh, you know, really score early. But uh, I think Braylon Addison came back into the lineup around this time. He might have, it might have been his last game when it was uh, the first game of this season for him, but he was a huge addition to the offense. I mean, Mazzoli and Addison have a connection. Um, they just know where each other is going to be, where each other is going to go. So, uh, having him back in the lineup was a huge deal. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the premier receivers in the league. It, it was a shame we didn't get to see him for, for most of the season there, but uh, Hey, it gave the option for uh, some of the younger guys that we've talked about uh, like Tim white, for example, I feel like had his best games when Addison uh, wasn't quite ready mm-hmm. to go. And uh, both of them potentially uh, should be heavily featured in the offense next year. Uh, is Addison under contract or is he a free agent? No, he's under contract. He'll be back. Perfect. So I'm assuming he will be the number one uh, target, our number one receiver this year with uh, Banks leaving. Right. Yes, that makes sense. Uh, and hopefully uh, a full healthy year from him and, and, and we yes. can see what he does there. Um, I'm looking at like some of these numbers um, and it's just, it, it smacks me in the face that you know, the, the the lack of run game that the Tiger Cats had during this time in the season uh, was glaring, you know, I, I browsed at the numbers as we were going through them. And, you know, Malik Irons was in this week. He had 59 yards at the team. But, um, 
later on in the season, Don Jackson gets inserted into the lineup, and he was just a huge addition to the offense. He just made this offense so much more dangerous, and I feel like that held us back a little bit, uh, that lack of run game earlier on in the season. Yeah, he, he kind of read my mind there. That's where I was ready to go next was, was the rotation at running back. Uh, I feel like there were so many high hopes for Sean Thomas Erlington to just be mm-hmm. the premier lead back coming into the season. Uh, I, Michael and I did our uh, fantasy draft here on the podcast preseason. He was one of the first running backs to go. Uh, you know, good Canadian running back. Uh, seemed like he had potential before he got injured. I, I think it was back in 2019 after three or four games. And uh, a lot of hype from, but didn't seem like there was a ton of usage uh, his way early in the season, uh, when, mm-hmm. which, you know, is kind of a theme we've seen around the CFL. You know, the Riders never using William Powell to the extent that they probably should. Uh, the Lions just not even bothering to run the ball for the entire first half of the season. Uh, it seemed like Hamilton, you know, they had their guy, but they were every week dressing three or four running backs and each one would get a couple plays in there. And then you'd have some of the receivers rotate in for, for, you know, some of those option plays as well. Uh, I have to wonder if, you know, maybe a little more consistency, like we saw a bit more down the stretch with Don Jackson could have helped things out there. Yeah. And I, I don't think the offensive line was doing any help with, with the run game either. Um, maybe they I tried early on. It just wasn't getting anything. I remember in the Ken Austin era, it was like, if they ran the ball once or twice and he didn't get any yardage, he'd just give up on it. Now I know that Tommy Condell is not like that, but it seemed that way. And I was, I'm with you, Sean Thomas Erlington showed so much in 2019. It was like, okay, this is going to be our guy. He's a Canadian and he's the real deal. You know what I mean? And it just, maybe it was partially because the offensive line um, wasn't making holes for him, but he just didn't look like the same guy. Now we move on to the next game, a good 32 to three pounding of the red blacks. There were a couple games there in the middle of the season that uh, the Ottawa was just spiraling uh, and, and Hamilton certainly takes advantage of that here. You know, the, just what the doctor ordered after those two heartbreaking losses, you get games against Ottawa and you got a game against Edmonton, uh, which the Ticats win handily. Uh, the game against Ottawa here, I believe, is where Brandon Banks comes back into the lineup after missing some time. Uh, nothing spectacular here from him, 51 yards on four catches. I, I think that was one of the more surprising things this season was, uh, you know, 2019 MOP, uh, a lot of big expectations. Uh, well, why, why? It seemed like Banks just couldn't get things going early in the season. I know d- down the stretch cup drive last couple games, he did pick up, you know, a few more touchdowns, was more involved. Um, but what was up with Brandon Banks early in the season in your mind? I think it was partially that the offense was just horrible uh, at the time. Nothing was working. Uh, and I think that he was he was dealing with some injuries. Um, I think he was playing hurt a lot of that time. Uh, you know, it's, it's unlike him to not, you know, get open and, uh, get those yards, you know, the, you, you know, the games that he usually gets around hundred yards and you know a couple touchdowns and that's our expectations for him. But, uh, yeah, I think he was dealing with some, uh, underlying injuries. Yeah, that's that. And that's totally fair there as well. Right. And I mean, we say he was having an off time, but, 50 60 yards a game that's still not bad for a receiver it's just not the Brandon Banks level we were used to seeing in recent years uh and then the final game to round out this middle chunk of the season is that game against Edmonton and this is where we get into Don Jackson being in the lineup I think this was his first game where he runs 120 yards and a touchdown and uh Mazzoli throws for over 350 throws three touchdowns uh, this was about as efficient of an offensive game as you could get. And it was almost like uh, at this point uh, and, and in the next couple of games as well, once Don Jackson started getting going, it was, uh, oh boy, here come the Ticats. Uh, everybody be fearful because uh, not only is the passing game seem to be on point in the last few weeks, uh, but now, the, now they've got the run game going as well. The defense is relatively healthy. Special teams contributing uh, as usual. Uh, it seemed like this part of the season, all of a sudden Hamilton's really starting to round into the form we expected them to be. Yeah, they looked really, really good in this game. <clears throat> and I was at the stadium for this one, and uh, 
you know, I've been, I've been lucky ever since I've been out in Edmonton, every game that I've went to, uh, the Tiger Cats have won, except for uh, one game. And, and, and that game that they lost was uh, came down to the very end. So they've all been entertaining, and they, they, they've played really well in Edmonton since I've been here. But especially Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, it's, I don't know what it is about Commonwealth Stadium, but he comes in here and he just plays the best that he's ever played. I, like I remember I was at that game um, where he had the completion record. It was like 20-some-odd uh, completions in a row um, and there was this big comeback against the uh, Edmonton Elks and it, it was a great game to watch but it makes you wonder like maybe Mazzoli's going to sign in Edmonton because he just performs so well here but uh, but yeah you're right Don Jackson just a huge game every time he touched the ball it, it seemed like he was going to break one I mean look at his average 7.5 yard average for a running back is insane um, it was just really fun to watch this offense you know click on all cylinders you know, Tim White had a big game. Dunbar had a, had a really good game. Ackland contributed. Brandon Banks had 60 yards. So, you know, there was a lot of receivers that were putting up good numbers for this team um, in this game. And the, and the defense was phenomenal. Uh, you know, they were pressuring, uh, I think it was Cornelius, all game long. So, yeah, you're right. You know, it started to seem like the Tiger Cats were turning, the, turning it around and maybe uh, – you know, starting to meet expectations, but then you got to remember that the last two games were against, you know, Ottawa and Edmonton, the two worst teams in the CFL. So you had to, you know, pull it back a little bit and and see what was ahead. Right. Yeah, that's an excellent point there. But uh, not a bad middle stretch of the season. Uh, I believe uh, a four and two record in that span with those two close losses uh, to Montreal and Toronto that, you know, you're one play away from going a perfect sweep of that, the, the games we're talking about uh, here in the middle. Um, we move on to the final stretch of the regular season. You've got a couple of games here. You've got a, uh, what do we have here? We've got a 26-18 win over the BC Lions. Uh, you've got a 31-12 loss to the Argos. And then uh, I guess uh, final three games, I guess my my breaking up of the chunks was slightly off here. I got thrown off by three playoff games. Um, final game of the regular season, a 24-3 win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, you know, they, they pick up that 26-18 win over BC uh they're in the thick of things in the playoff race in the final couple weeks of the season here that game i know there was so much expectation coming into that game against the argos uh in in week Mm -hmm. 15 uh battle for first place in the cfl uh certainly a big letdown in that one huge letdown Uh, I, i remember being so hyped for this game and um they just laid an egg especially jeremiah mazzoli he did not play well in this one and um if anyone listens to the uh, pods Kiwiwi, it, they know that me and Josh, Josh and I have been, you know, huge supporters of Mazzoli throughout his years in Hamilton. Um, but this game kind of told me something. It was like, okay, well, you know, this was a hugely important game and Mazzoli, you know, did not show up. So that really made me question him. You know, are we, should we be going back to Dane? Um, because when the game is online, when the game really counts, this guy's not performing well. Yeah, that was something I had seen uh, throughout the season, just online and social media, um, where it, over and over again, it seemed like, you know, every time Mazzoli's announced as the starter, it's where's Dane Evans? Uh, it seemed like the general online fan perspective wanted Dane to be the guy at quarterback. Was was that the general perception uh, among Ticats fans? Uh, and, and was it just related to, you know, kind of these big game letdowns? Yeah, I think that had something to do with it. Um, you know, the, the most popular football player in town, especially in Hamilton, it seems, is the backup quarterback. Uh, they're always calling for him. But, you know, they had a right to do so. I mean, Dean Evans sh- has shown that he is a, a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. And, you know, he led us to the Grey Cup in 2019 when Mazzoli went down. Uh, yes, he had a he had a tough Grey Cup game, but uh, you know that rush was in his face all game long in 2019. But uh, yes, there was a large amount of Ticat fans that wanted Dane Evans to be the starting quarterback, and uh, you know a smaller percentage that that just you know anything Mazzoli did, you know it didn't matter to them. They they were just on the hate train. So 
Um, there were the Mazzoli haters, and then there were the Dane supporters for sure. Right, and uh, potentially a crisscross between those in some cases as well. Uh, one of the things that also kind of came up in these few games here, I, I know, and I think it was maybe that Edmonton game we just talked about, and now here uh, against Toronto, uh, the, the play on special teams, particularly in the kicking game, Taylor Bertolet, you know, missing a couple field goals here and there. Uh, not not a fantastic percentage in his first year kicking in the CFL at 67.6%. Um, what, were, what were your thoughts on kind of the special teams? Because we haven't really talked too much about that, the special teams as a whole of uh, Hamilton this year. I, I think that we didn't have a, a legitimate, legitimate kicker or punter. Um, you know, we, we cycled through a couple guys for field goal kicking. And nothing really, you know, worked, it seemed. Uh, Bertolette had a tough go. Uh, the, the weaknesses on this team were the offensive line coming in the season, the offensive line and the kicking and punting. And it seems to be that way a lot in Hamilton. And uh, I hope that they focus more on that in the offseason because, you know, everything else was top-notch. But, you know, if you don't have anyone protecting the quarterback, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And if you can't kick field goals, you know, to win games and, you know, to give your point, give your team some points. It's uh, it's going to be a tough run. So, those were the two big weaknesses on the Tiger Cats in 2021. Yeah, the, the kicking game game was a letdown. The return game, on the other hand, I thought was fantastic, despite the injuries uh, all season long. Uh, you know, Frankie Williams, one of the top return men in the CFL, I would say. Uh, unfortunately, missing a ton of games this season, but you've got guys. I mean, you've got Brandon Banks there who, you know, broke into the CFL as primarily known as one of the top returners in the league. He was able to step in, fill it uh, there. Poppy, uh, Poppy White stepped up pretty, pretty big too. Um, you know, he didn't have uh, a lot of return yards, I don't think, but uh, in the playoffs, you know, he had a big return for the Tiger Cats. So Poppy White, I think going forward is going to be the returner for this team. Yeah, recently re-signed as well. I think I think that uh, yep. that's a fitting role for him there. Uh, one that he he did very well in down the stretch, and uh, maybe we'll see him get rotated in a little more at receiver as well. Because I know he was one of those fringe guys that did get in for a couple of starts, but once once Addison, once Banks were back, uh, went back to the sidelines there. So I would like to see him get more involved in the offense as well. Yeah, a guy with uh, you know explosive. Speed like that uh, you know it can't hurt to uh, you know make maybe make some packages for him maybe throw him in here and there um, and you never know like Brandon Banks was considered just a returner at one time and he became one of the best receivers in the league so maybe that's uh, what's in Poppy White's future yeah if, if I have if I have one spot to like stand on a soapbox out in town square and yell to to all anybody who wants to hear it it's put your return man uh, on offense. I, I was crying it all season long with Devontae Dedman over in Ed, uh, Ottawa. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's several teams around the league that could benefit from yeah, that. I, uh, it seems so simple, doesn't it? I mean, put the, the guys that can make plays on the field, the fast guys that can, you know, as long as they can catch the ball, um, I don't see why guys like that aren't utilized more in offenses across the league. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Lucky Whitehead, what he did in BC for that offense. I mean, he went down, he got injured, and, and the offense just kind of went with him. Like, there was, it was non-existent for a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the smaller, faster guys could be utilized better in the CFL. Uh, and then we get into the final game of the season, uh, the regular season here, which is a 24-3 to win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, I know there was uh, kind of some anticipation coming into this game of where the Ticats would finish. Uh, whether they would host the home playoff game or not. Uh, they uh, were jostling for position with Montreal. I believe Montreal played first uh, that week. I think the Friday night game against Ottawa, uh, they do go and end up uh, losing that game. And I think that was enough for Hamilton to clinch the playoff spot. They didn't technically need to actually win this game by over oh, Saskatchewan, but uh, still a number of starters still uh, – pretty much everybody getting in on this game for Hamilton against a, a Saskatchewan team that was resting everybody and ready to go for the playoffs. 
yeah, pretty much a, a nothing game going into the into the playoffs. But it's always good to get a win. Um, you know, we got uh, you know four straight going into the playoffs, so we came in hot. So that was a good thing. Yeah, it seemed like they really were on a roll going into the playoffs, and uh, not a you know an up and down season. What do they finish with record wise? Was it a perfectly five hundred or just over? No, I think I think they were eight and six. Double checking. Yes, eight and six on the season. They finished second in the East. Uh, five and two at home, three and four on the road. Uh, did seem like they uh, they were a, definitely a better team at home, which uh, was extra nice to get that home field advantage. Not only uh, to have that, you know, to start the playoffs, but to also uh, get end up potentially getting that in the Grey Cup. How much did that, uh, you know, weigh on things throughout the season? Uh, it, with the fan base given, uh, you know, home year potentially able to so much expectation coming into the year, hosting the gray cup, uh, potentially getting to play in it at home. And as we kind of saw the ups and downs throughout the season, how much was that weighing on the minds of the, uh, of the fan base? Uh, I think it was weighing a lot. You know, it's uh, there's pressure whenever your city gets the gray cup to, for your team to get there. Right. Um, and uh, I think they felt that pressure and, uh, you know, it was, it, it was an up and down season, but, uh, you know, going into the playoffs, um, you can bet that they knew that that, that great cup game was in Hamilton for sure. Yeah. Let's, and then let's move into the playoff games here. Uh, we'll go a little more in depth on each of these. Uh, it starts off with a 23, 12 win over Montreal in the East division semifinal. Uh, a wild game here, I believe a big snow game uh, where, you know, it was all Montreal early on in this game. I think Hamilton barely had any time of possession uh, in the first quarter. And then uh, one or two turnovers by the defense here, turning things the other direction. Yeah, it's uh, Montreal. Let's had the lead <clears throat> three nothing at the end of the end of the first quarter. But then Hamilton explodes for 20 points in the second. And, uh, you know, you're right. Early on, the LOS just had the ball forever, it seemed. And I was starting to get worried because the last time Trevor Harris played the Tiger Cats in the playoffs, he he had like some ungodly numbers. I think he only had three incompletions and, you know, a bunch of touchdown passes. You just tore the Tiger Cats apart. And early on, I was like, oh, geez, even though I've seen this guy play all season long and was not impressed, um, either in Edmonton or Montreal, I was thinking, damn, we're going to get uh, – you know, Trevor Harris is going to have another day and we're going to be sent pack in the, the first game of the playoffs. But luckily, it did not turn out that way. Yeah, defense stepping up real big here. A couple turnovers, I think a scoop and score on a fumble uh, turned things quickly in the other direction. And then it was like a, the switch flip from there. You know, if it started off, I think Hamilton took a bunch of penalties early on in the game. Then all of a sudden, you know, after that, it seemed like Montreal was having the discipline issues and it allowed the Ticats to go forward here a big game by the defense you know the offense starts getting some stuff together as the game goes along as well uh not the best numbers offensively but uh granted you know it was a, a quite the snowy game and that that certainly impacts things a bit uh but definitely the defense carrying the way here I feel like we haven't really talked a ton about the defensive side of the ball here I feel like they maybe are one of the more underrated units uh, around the CFL, you know, all the talk this year was on the Bombers uh, when you when it comes to defenses, but uh, especially the way they improved since those first couple of games of the year, because we're getting to the stretch drive of the season, and, and Hamilton's up there in, in most of the defensive categories. Yeah, I think they were number one against the run um, this past season. They did a really good job there, but you look at some of the numbers in this playoff game, and you know, it seemed like everybody had a sack. Santos Knox had a sack. Hauser had a sack. Uh, Jaguar Davis had two sacks. Uh, Dylan Wynn had two sacks. So uh, the defensive line, I thought, at the end of the season and during the playoff run, really stepped it up. Um, and, you, you know, you got guys like uh, Dylan Wynn and Teddy Laurent and uh, Jaguar Davis and um, oh, the name escapes me. But they had a – oh, yeah, Ju- Julian Hauser, sorry – um, so that's a pretty formidable unit and, uh, they really showed their talent, uh, in the playoffs. 
So the Ticats win this one over Montreal. They move on to the East final with a matchup with the Argos, uh, a team they had a, a couple really close games and some letdowns against uh, during the season. And it started to feel like it was going the direction of the ladder here early on when, and, you know, going into the halftime, it's 12, nothing Toronto. Uh, the, the Ticats don't get anything going offensively early in this game. Toronto had the ball. It felt like a ton, but couldn't necessarily convert. Uh, and, and credit to the defense again for holding them to, you know, just, uh, I think four field goals in this one. And then kind of the same story as the week before Hamilton just, all of a sudden at some point flips the switch pedal to the metal 27 points in the second half goes on to win 27 19. Yeah. That first half was, uh, was tough to watch for me. Uh, they just couldn't seem to do anything right offensively. Um, Jeremiah Mazzoli wasn't looking great. He, you know, he, he's scrambling around, he gets tackled, fumbles the ball, Toronto's ball, and then he gets the hook. Um, Jeremiah Mazzoli comes out of the game. He ends up being four for six for 22 yards. The offense did not look good uh, with him leading the way. Uh, Dane Evans comes in and starts picking up. But then we have that fumble recovery right near the end of the half. Uh, Toronto picks up the ball, almost runs it in for a touchdown. But uh, Dane Evans comes back, uh, you know, hustle play, huge hustle play, strips the ball from the defender and the Tiger Cats get the ball back and they don't give up any more points. I think that was a huge point in the game. Um Another huge point in the game was when Poppy White returned that kick for a touchdown or a punt. Um, it was uh, momentum swinged at that point. And, I mean, you look at Dane Evans' number, you can't be any better than what he was, right? He's 16 of 16, 249 yards and a touchdown. It just seemed once he came in, the offense just had more energy. Um, they just loved playing for this guy, and uh, it showed with the, how he took over the game. I think that might be one of the most absurd stat lines I've ever seen in a playoff game. Backup quarterback comes in and goes a hundred percent completion percentage leads the team to a comeback victory. Uh, you know, it's so, it's so fascinating. I, how many starts does Dane Evans have in his career? Probably only a handful. Uh, but two of them are gray cup games uh, because, you know, his performance here in this one does end up with him getting the start in the gray cup. Uh, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you you pull this comeback, you got to be the guy going to the next game, right? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? And, and going against the team that uh, absolutely demolished you in the Grey Cup in 2019, pretty much the exact same team. You know, they brought back um, a lot of that squad, the Marmers, as did the Ticats. So it was a pretty sincere uh, rematch. Yeah, let's get into that final game of the year. As much as as I know you might not want to talk about it, well, we'll keep it short. Um, I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the fact that this was a fantastic football game. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, you know, the first half wasn't exactly, you know, high scoring. Uh, it wasn't a high scoring affair, but it was still entertaining. And the, the Tiger Cats, you know, surprisingly had the lead at halftime. But I think one of the biggest stories was that Dane Evans, you know, goes down with that injury, right? He has that neck injury. Um, I guess he sustained it in the game prior when he was doing a quarterback sneak, tweaked his neck a little bit because you could see the tape on his neck. And I was like, what the heck's going on with that? But uh, obviously it was because of an injury. He has to come out. Um, all Ticat fans are probably distraught at this point, but for some strange reason. Um, I felt really comfortable with Jeremiah Mazzoli coming to this game, and uh, he did a pretty darn good job in the Grey Cup, I must admit. Yeah, it's it's so weird how this is just the like reverse of the week before, in, in mm -hmm. a sense. That now, granted, the week before was uh, Mazzoli getting pulled for bad play and Evans coming in, but, and in this case, it was due to injury. But it seemed like he could get nothing going. It seemed... You know, Winnipeg wasn't really particularly drawing uh, ahead that much here. Uh, you know, they had four points in the first quarter, three in the second. Uh, but it seemed like they were, they were you know, moving the ball okay here and there. They were shutting Dane Evans down. It seemed like, you know, the nightmares of 2019 were coming back to haunt him once again here. Uh, and Mazzoli comes in and, and delivers a fantastic performance. And, and I think if Hamilton did go on to win this game, Mazzoli would have been the Grey Cup MOP and rightfully deserved. Uh, based on his performance there. Uh, 
Um, but all of a sudden things turn around again, it's the defense in the playoffs. Uh, I think it was two straight interceptions. I want to say in the second quarter there, uh, by, uh, who, who was it with the interception? So the old Kelly? Yes. Cameron Kelly. That's, uh, Kelly. yeah, that's, that's the name I was looking for there. Uh, two straight interceptions turns things around. The offense is starting to roll. All of a sudden Hamilton's got the, again, pedal to the metal here. Uh, middle of this game and is moving ahead nicely here yeah it looked that way and um you know the offense was clicking um they were i like the the play calling to go against that uh you know fear defensive end combination of the winnipeg blue bombers you know there was some screens thrown in there and that really worked out well for the tiger cats um i would have liked don jackson to be a little bit more involved he ended the game with 59 yards rushing for a 5.4 yard average still not terrible but it would have been nice for him to uh get more involved in the game but uh you know some young guys you know Stephen Dunbar led the team in receiving with with only 63 yards but uh you know it uh it looked like the Tiger Cats were gonna actually pull this thing off in the third quarter and then uh the fourth quarter kind of came and uh ruined uh ruined the plans yeah, they do jump ahead 22 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Winnipeg starts chipping away at the lead a little bit here and there. Uh, then we get into the uh, the most controversial part of the game, uh, really from both sides. You know, a questionable safety by the Bombers uh, at there that I think would put Hamilton up by nine, if I remember correctly. And I know I, we, we debated this one on the podcast uh, many times uh, for length after that game. Uh, and then uh, the, the big one was, you know, the single, the, the Tim White not making the return there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that play in particular? Uh, do, do you get the decision behind what they were going for? Or uh, do you think it was the, taking the result out of it? Do you think it was the wrong call? Uh, I kind of understand the decision. You know, the wind's howling. Uh, you're guaranteed to get the ball at the 35-yard line. All you need is a field goal. Um, but I think it was botched in many ways. Um, you know, Coach o, Orlando Steinhauer said after the game that he, he, you know, let the decision be made by the kick returner. And I, I'm not sure. It might have been – it was either Poppy White or Tim White that was back there. And either way, those guys are rookies in the CFL. You don't you, – you tell them what to do. You know what I mean? Like, if this happens, you kneel. If not, take it out. Don't leave it to them. A rookie yeah. in the CFL – it's just too much of a big decision in a championship game. Um, and then Jeff Reinbold leaves town weirdly after the season and, and joins the Montreal Alouettes for a special teams job, which was, which was very strange. I don't know if he had anything to do with that decision or not, but something funny is happening behind the scenes, I think, with that decision. But uh, I, I, I would have liked them to brought it out. You know, you could say that now, obviously, easily, but uh, it looked to me like he could have – you know, he could have got it out to at least the 25, 30 yard line and you still would have had enough time to get into field goal range. But uh, yeah, a decision that will haunt Ticat fans for, for a long time. Yeah. And they come so close here at the end of the game to get down to, I, I think it's a pass in the end zone or the two yard line incomplete mm-hmm. to Jalen Acklin. You know, you punch that in here. Hamilton's winning the great cup. They end up settling for the field goal here. Take it to overtime. I think that was the right call at that point. You know, uh, I know some people might have said, yeah, go for it. You know, try to punch it in, win it here. I I like the decision to play it safe there with the field goal and take your chances at OT. Yeah, exactly. And like we discussed earlier with the playoff uh, or the overtime rules in the CFL, you know, you're going to get a chance. So um, the only thing I, I, you know, this is a little nitpicky, but I would have liked them. They were, they're in the, in the red zone. They were within the 10 yard line. I think there are two plays within the 10-yard line there. I would have – they ran the ball on first down with Don Jackson. I think that the Bombers were expecting that. You know, they were going to run the ball. I would have liked them to throw in the ball on first down, maybe catch them off guard, throw a touchdown pass, end the game. Um, and if that doesn't work, maybe run and try to surprise them on second down because they're not – they're thinking, you know, they're going to pass on second down. There's no way they're going to run. But, you know, what do I know? I'm not a coach. But uh, that would have been nice to see that little switcheroo but, uh, yeah, I think it was the right choice to go for the field goal because you know you're going to get a shot to either tie what the Bombers did or, you know, try to get eight points on the first drive. 
And then uh, the game ends up going to overtime. Uh, the Bombers score the, the opening touchdown uh, in overtime there. And, uh, you know, Hamilton gets the ball back. Uh, and then that uh, forever memorable interception uh, that ends the Grey Cup. Uh, for yeah, I thought that, um, you know, when they scored, the, when the Bombers scored the touchdown, I was still hopeful. But when they converted the two points, I was like, oh, this is going to be tough, man. Like, we're going against the Bombers. We have to score a touchdown and get the two points to just make this game keep going. I, inside, I was like, I think this one's over. But we still had a chance. And, you know, credit to the Bombers. They made a hell of a play on that, uh, you know, that tip drill type of interception. Um, but, yeah, once that happened, it was it was straight to bed for me. I was done with everything that day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely heartbreaking. I, I can't. Um, I can't imagine. I think this one's got to sting uh, a lot. Uh, you know, we 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 broke the the curse here in, in Winnipeg, the 29 year drought back in 2019. Um, and, and certainly, I, I'm just hoping that that the Tie Cats get one soon because uh, you know four Grey Cup appearances in the past eight years. I know that one against Calgary back in 2014 was another heartbreaker. Like, like Hamilton's due for a Grey Cup win here. And uh, it doesn't end up happening this season. Unfortunately, the extra sting of it, uh, you know, it ending this way in, in a home game as well. You could only imagine if they pull off that overtime win at home, how, how insane uh, things would have been there. Yeah, it would have been uh, quite the party, I can imagine. And you know, it's it, it would have been really fairy tale like. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Hamilton hasn't had the Grey Cup since 1996. They 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 finally get it in 2021. Um, sure, it's not the festival that we wanted to have because of you know COVID and all that stuff. But but and then Dane Evans goes down. Jeremiah Zoli comes in. If he would have won that game, it would have been like like a movie. You know what I mean? Like a perfect script for a, for a Disney movie or something like that. But it wasn't meant to be and. Uh, they have it again in 2023, so maybe maybe they'll pull it off then. Maybe maybe they get the back to back 22 and uh, 23, but we shall see. We shall see. So that does it for the 2021 season for Hamilton. Uh, overall, I think we summed it up pretty well right at the start. You know, kind of got to where we expected them to be, but just uh, not quite the path we uh, we expected them to get there with. Uh, now uh, we quickly take a, a look towards the off season here with free agency kicking off uh, this coming week. Um, a lot of the talk after the season was kind of that, you know, for the core of the tie cats, this was it, uh, right? Uh, it, it seemed like that was a lot of the outside chatter that, you know, a lot of these players have been here in, in Hamilton for a long time and things are going to look different coming into this year. Uh, how much do you think things are going to be different? Well, we already saw the, the, the big release, right? The, Brandon Banks is no longer a Tiger Cat, and that hurt a lot of a lot of fans in the fan base. And uh, you know, I love Brandon um, since he's been a Tiger Cat. He's one one of the most exciting players that I've seen put on a Tiger Cat uniform. But I, you know, I said in the previous episode of Podsky that I think it's time, you know, to let him, you know, let him go um, and put that salary somewhere else. You know, I would like it to go towards the offensive line. You know, we brought in some guys. You know, we had Banks and we had Addison and we had Acklin and, and we brought in Devere Posey last season in receivers. Um, I don't think we need to spend that much money on receivers with the young guys that we have. So uh, letting go of Brandon Banks is a huge deal, but I think it's the right decision and I think there's going to be more to come. Um, I don't see Teddy Laurent back with this team. I know he's uh, been a tremendous player, um, a Canadian a ratio breaker in the middle of that defensive line. He's just as good as any American on the defensive line, uh, defensive tackle. So he's been huge, but he's just, he's injured a lot. And um, he, he has a, a big salary. So I think that, I think that you're going to see some more changes. Uh, and I think Teddy might be one of them. Yeah, certainly those are some of the big ones. Also, uh, seemingly, you know, uh, the we're, we're Dane Evans, the guy at quarterback, he was re-signed yep. to a new contract. We we know Jeremiah Mazzoli's not coming back to Hamilton. It's all it's all but given on that. Uh, he'll go over, you know, the rumors right now are Ottawa or Edmonton. We'll see where he lands there. Uh, but I think that's the right call, uh, making Dane your number one guy going forward mm -hmm. at quarterback. You know, he's shown some great potential. He's a younger option at QB. 
uh, seems like a great fit for him. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you just, um, just the way that he's played when he's been in there and it, it hasn't been a ton, but uh, he, he's proven to me and, and we, we, we've seen, you know, being CFL fans, we've seen one year flashes, you know, guys that are great for one year and then kind of fall off um, in their second and third and fourth year. But I don't see that happening with Dane. I think he's, he's focused. He's, he's happy to be a Hamilton Tiger cat and he's going to lead these, this team to, uh, to big things. I think that era of Tiger cat football is coming to an end, you know, the almost good enough era. And hopefully we're going into the era of, uh, you know, championships, but, uh, you know, there's, there's some building to do. There's some things to tinker with. And uh, I like who's running the, the operations, you know, you bring in a guy like Ed Hervey, um, who should be, you know, just a straight up GM in this league still as an assistant GM. Um, I think that's a huge get, and I think he's going to help this team a lot. Yeah. And I think so far, you know, of the players they've re-signed it, you probably can't keep them all. You know, that's the general perception when, when a team makes it to the Grey Cup is that they are going to lose some players, especially with as much talent as Hamilton has on their team. But uh, I think they've prioritized and brought back a number of good key pieces here. Uh, you know, they did some focusing on the offensive line, Revenberg, Van Zyl. Those are the two biggest pieces there. Those were must bring backs, in my opinion. Defensive side of the ball, they, they've put some focus, you know, bringing their linebackers back. Uh, Simone Lawrence, the, the biggest one of those, you know, talk about the heartbreak of Brandon Banks leaving one day to, to, to finding Simone coming back the next uh, with big fan favorite there in Hamilton. Tunde Adelke, a huge one at defensive back. Uh, we, we've had a lot of praise for Dunbar Jr. He's back. Don Jackson, we had a lot of praise for. He's back. You know, a number of signings there. Uh, so for so far for Hamilton and I actually feel like they maybe got a jump on free agency here with a new addition that uh, I think they was a, a good area of focus for them bringing in Lamar Durant who was released by BC uh, because they have all that young talent at, at receiver but uh, it almost felt like the Canadian receivers position was one where maybe they could use a bit of an upgrade there and I think Durant's one of the best options uh, available to do so. Yeah, I've been a, a big fan of Durant's for a while now. You know, there's there's really high expectations when he was drafted. Um, it seemed maybe four four or five years ago. Now it's I think uh, maybe even more longer. But uh, yeah, we had Ungerer playing that Canadian position, and uh, he's a young guy. He's got some speed. He, you know, he might have some uh, a future in the CFL. But uh, yeah, Durant's a, a definite upgrade. And then you you know there's the rumors that. Uh, uh, Delvin bro is coming back to the CFL. So I see him landing with the tiger cats, unless someone throws a, a lot of money at him, but he, he has a pretty close relationship with the team. So, um, we don't know if he's the same guy that he was, you know, in 2019, 2018, he's been off for a couple of years, but if he's, uh, you know, close to what he was, he'll still be really effective in a secondary. That's already pretty strong. So free agency kicks off uh, just a week from today when we record it. Uh, do you expect the Ticats to be busy opening day? And uh, kind of what are the areas you're looking for them to focus, first of all, once uh, once the shopping period reopens? I think they'll I think they'll dip their toe in. Um, I don't think they'll do a bunch of stuff, depending on you know who they bring back from, uh, from last year, uh, who they re-sign. But the, the area of focus for me is has got to be the left tackle. Who's going to play left tackle? Um, Murray ended up playing it at the end of the season and in the Grey Cup game, and he was pretty good. Um, but he got a futures deal with uh, the Colts, I think. So he's not going to be back, at least until Labor Day if he gets cut. Um, they got Vorn Call. He played left tackle for them for a bit. Uh, I thought he was all right. Um, definitely an improvement over K. Okafor, which was the – the left tackle to start the season, but I think we, we have to bring in a, a veteran left tackle to protect Dane Evans. You know, you, you paid Dane the money, you paid him the starting money. Now let's protect him. Let's, let's stop fooling around with the, all these young guys on the offensive line, because um, if the offensive line doesn't work, then the offense doesn't work. So left tackle is a huge thing for me. Um, I think we have to bring in a kicker and a punter, uh, fix that situation. And then I think we might be shopping for a defensive lineman because I, I don't know if, um, you know, Davis might not be coming back. 
Uh, I have question marks about there's a rumor floating around that Dylan Wynn might be going to Ottawa because of the connection with uh, uh, Sean Burke. He, he's in Ottawa now as the GM. Um, like I said, just speculation on my part, uh, which doesn't mean much, but I think that Ted Laurent might not be back uh, being at it. You know, he's 34 now. He'll probably be 35 when the season starts. So there might be um, shopping around for some defensive linemen as, as well. Yeah, and I, I know there's been reports out there, Jagarin Davis, potentially a big contract, I believe from the Argos, mm-hmm. uh, floating around there. So, yeah, that's a big position. If they can't bring those guys back, certainly I think is a big focus as well. And I like what you said about uh, focusing on that offensive line because I think the rest of the offense is there with, with, with Dane Evans, Don Jackson, the group of receivers they have. Uh, if they can just get that offensive line, this should be one of the most potent offenses in the CFL in 2022. Uh, that does it for our wrap-up of the uh, this past season and a bit of a look ahead to the season to come. We'll see what tinkering they do in the offseason and uh, where they are at in 2022 and whether they can end that drought. Uh, Mike, it's been an absolute blast having you on the podcast for the past hour or so chatting through all of this. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, as we wrap things up, before I close things off here, uh, where can people find your podcast and everything else you have going on? Uh, you can find it on, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's on, uh, it's on Podbean. It's on iTunes. Uh, you can get it at 3 nationcom they, they publish it. Um, but any podcast app, you can find it, uh, PodskiWeeWee. And follow us on Twitter as well, at PodskiWeeWee at Podsky Wee on Twitter as well. Make sure you check that out. I highly recommend it. Also make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian football podcast network. You can find those on Twitter at CF pod network uh, for our podcast, uh, whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on, uh, we would appreciate it if you do all the nice things that help us grow the show, such as leaving a like a comment, a review, uh, sharing it with your friends, making sure you subscribe or follow uh, and all that fun stuff. You can also check us out on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. As I mentioned off the top of the show, getting ready for our big free agency show next week. Eight hours of live coverage. Last year we did six. It went okay. This year it's going to be eight. It's going to be better. Look forward to that. Join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, if you go to our Twitter profile, all of the links are there. And uh, we will have a promo uh, out on the podcast platforms as well to help you find all of that. So look forward to that. Uh, if you want to know what I've got going on, uh, it's, it's planning a lot of that. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42 to see what I'm up to lately. If you're interested in CFL fantasy content, you can check out the Canadian Football Fantasy Fix over on YouTube. It's a weekly show I do there. Obviously not uh, anything fantasy related necessarily to touch on right now, but uh, we still go through with other CFL content throughout the offseason, so you can check that out as well. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with our eight-hour live stream next Tuesday. Uh, So no regular episode of the podcast next week because I'll probably be sleeping for three days straight after that. And then uh, we'll be back and hopefully continuing the deep dive series following that uh as always always appreciate you listening thank you for listening take care have a good one bye